The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus by L. Frank Baum. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Section 3 Manhood, Part 2. 5. How Bessie Blythesome Came to the Laughing Valley. One day, as Claus sat before his door to enjoy the sunshine while he busily carved the head and horns of a toy deer, he looked up and discovered a glittering cavalcade of horsemen approaching through the valley. When they drew nearer, he saw that the band consisted of a score of men-at-arms, clad in bright armor, and bearing in their hands spears and battle-axes. In front of these rode little Bessie Blythesome, the pretty daughter of that proud Lord of Lurd who had once driven Claus from his palace. Her palfrey was pure white, its bridle was covered with glittering gems, and its saddle draped with cloth of gold, richly broidered. The soldiers were sent to protect her from harm while she journeyed. Klaus was surprised, but he continued to whittle and to sing until the cavalcade drew up before him. Then the little girl leaned over the neck of her palfrey and said, "'Please, Mr. Claus, I want a toy!' Her voice was so pleading that Claus jumped up at once and stood beside her but he was puzzled how to answer her request. "'You are a rich lord's daughter,' said he, "'and have all that you desire.' "'Except toys,' added Bessie. "'There are no toys in all the world but yours.' "'And I make them for poor children, who have nothing else to amuse them,' continued Claus. "'Do poor children love to play with toys more than rich ones?' asked Bessie. "'I suppose not,' said Claus, thoughtfully. "'Am I to blame because my father is a lord? "'Must I be denied the pretty toys I long for "'because other children are poorer than I?' "'She inquired earnestly. "'I'm afraid you must, dear,' he answered. "'For the poor have nothing else with which to amuse themselves. "'You have your pony to ride, your servants to wait on you, and every comfort that money can procure. But I want toys, cried Bessie, wiping away the tears that forced themselves into her eyes. If I cannot have them, I shall be very unhappy. Claus was troubled, for her grief recalled to him the thought that his desire was to make all children happy, without regard to their condition in life. Yet, while so many poor children were clamoring for his toys, he could not bear to give one of them to Bessie Blythesome, who had so much already to make her happy. "'Listen, my child,' he said gently. "'All the toys I am now making are promised to others. But the next shall be yours, since your heart so longs for it. Come to me again in two days, and it shall be ready for you.' Bessie gave a cry of delight, and leaning over her pony's neck, she kissed Claus prettily upon his forehead. Then, calling to her men-at-arms, she rode gaily away, leaving Claus to resume his work. "'If I am to supply the rich children, as well as the poor ones,' he thought, "'I shall not have a spare moment in the whole year. But is it right I should give to the rich?' Surely I must go to Nasil and talk with her about this matter. So when he had finished the toy deer, which was very like a deer he had known in the forest glades, he walked into Burzee and made his way to the bower of the beautiful nymph Nasil, who had been his foster mother. 
she greeted him tenderly and lovingly listening with interest to his story of the visit of bessie blithesome and now tell me said he shall i give toys to rich children we of the forest know nothing of riches she replied it seems to me that one child is like another child since they are all made of the same clay and that riches are like a gown which may be put on or taken away leaving the child unchanged but the fairies are guardians of mankind and know mortal children better than i let us call the fairy queen this was done and the queen of the fairies sat beside them and heard claus relate his reasons for thinking the rich children could get along without his toys and also what the nymph had said nesiel is right declared the queen for whether it be rich or poor a child's longings for pretty playthings are but natural rich bessie's heart may suffer as much grief as poor mary's she can be just as lonely and discontented and just as gay and happy i think friend claus it is your duty to make all little ones glad whether they chance to live in palaces or in cottages your words are wise fair queen replied claus and my heart tells me they are as just as they are wise hereafter all children may claim my services then he bowed before the gracious fairy and kissing the seal's red lips went back into his valley at the brook he stopped to drink and afterward he sat on the bank and took a piece of moist clay in his hands while he thought what sort of toy he should make for bessie blithesome he did not notice that his fingers were working the clay into shape until glancing downward he found he had unconsciously formed a head that bore a slight resemblance to the nymph nesil at once he became interested gathering more of the clay from the bank he carried it to his house then with the aid of his knife and a bit of wood he succeeded in working the clay into the image of a toy nymph with skillful strokes he formed long waving hair on the head and covered the body with a gown of oak leaves while the two feet sticking out at the bottom of the gown were clad in sandals but the clay was soft and claus found he must handle it gently to avoid ruining his pretty work perhaps the rays of the sun will draw out the moisture and cause the clay to become hard he thought so he laid the image on a flat board and placed it in the glare of the sun this done he went to his bench and began painting the toy deer and soon he became so interested in the work that he forgot all about the clay nymph but next morning happening to notice it as it lay on the board he found the sun had baked it to the hardness of stone and it was strong enough to be safely handled claus now painted the nymph with great care in the likeness of nesil giving it deep blue eyes white teeth rosy lips and ruddy brown hair the gown he colored oak leaf green and when the paint was dry claus himself was charmed with the new toy of course it was not nearly so lovely as the real nesil but considering the material of which it was made claus thought it was very beautiful when bessie riding upon her white palfrey came to his dwelling next day claus presented her with the new toy the little girl's eyes were brighter than ever as she examined the pretty image and she loved it at once and held it close to her breast as a mother does to her child what is it called claus she asked now claus knew that nymphs do not like to be spoken of by mortals so he could not tell bessie it was an image of nesil he had given her but as it was a new toy he searched his mind for a new name to call it by and the first word he thought of he decided would do very well 
it is called a dolly my dear he said to bessie i shall call the dolly my baby returned bessie kissing it fondly and i shall tend it and care for it just as nurse cares for me thank you very much claus your gift has made me happier than i have ever been before then she rode away hugging the toy in her arms and claus seeing her delight thought he should make another dolly better and more natural than the first he brought more clay from the brook and remembering that bessie had called the dolly her baby he resolved to form this one into a baby's image that was no difficult task to the clever workman and soon the baby dolly was lying on the board and placed in the sun to dry then with the clay that was left he began to make an image of bessie blithesome herself this was not so easy for he found he could not make the silken robe of the lord's daughter out of the common clay so he called the fairies to his aid and asked them to bring him colored silks with which to make a real dress for the clay image the fairies set off at once on their errand and before nightfall they returned with a generous supply of silks and laces and golden threads claus now became impatient to complete his new dolly and instead of waiting for the next day's sun he placed the clay image upon his hearth and covered it over with glowing coals by morning when he drew the dolly from the ashes it had baked as hard as if it had lain a full day in the hot sun now our claus became a dressmaker as well as a toy maker he cut the lavender silk and neatly sewed it into a beautiful gown that just fitted the new dolly and he put a lace collar around its neck and pink silk shoes on its feet the natural color of baked clay is a light gray but claus painted the face to resemble the color of flesh and he gave the dolly bessie's brown eyes and golden hair and rosy cheeks it was really a beautiful thing to look upon and sure to bring joy to some childish heart while claus was admiring it he heard a knock at his door and little mary entered her face was sad and her eyes red with continued weeping why what has grieved you my dear asked claus taking the child in his arms i i broke my dad's sobbed mary how he inquired his eyes twinkling i i dropped him and broke off him still and and then i dropped him and broke off him there and now him's all spoiled claus laughed never mind mary dear he said how would you like this new dolly instead of a car mary looked at the silk-robed dolly and her eyes grew big with astonishment oh claus she cried clapping her small hands together with rapture then i have a beautiful lady do you like it he asked i love it said she it's better than that's then take it dear and be careful not to break it mary took the dolly with a joy that was almost reverent and her face dimpled with smiles as she started along the path toward home six the wickedness of the aguas i must now tell you something about the aguas that terrible race of creatures which caused our good claws so much trouble and nearly succeeded in robbing the children of the world of their earliest and best friend I do not like to mention the Aguas, but they are a part of this history and cannot be ignored. They were neither mortals nor immortals, but stood midway between those classes of beings. 
the Aguas were invisible to ordinary people, but not to immortals. They could pass swiftly through the air from one part of the world to another, and had the power of influencing the minds of human beings to do their wicked will. They were of gigantic stature, and had coarse, scowling countenances which showed plainly their hatred of all mankind. They possessed no consciences whatever, and delighted only in evil deeds. Their homes were in rocky, mountainous places, from whence they sallied forth to accomplish their wicked purposes. The one of their number that could think of the most horrible deed for them to do was always elected King Agua, and all the race obeyed his orders. Sometimes these creatures lived to become a hundred years old, but usually they fought so fiercely among themselves that many were destroyed in combat, and when they died that was the end of them. Mortals were powerless to harm them, and the immortals shuddered when the Aguas were mentioned, and always avoided them. So they flourished for many years, unopposed, and accomplished much evil. I am glad to assure you that these vile creatures have long since perished and passed from earth. But in the days when Claus was making his first toys, they were a numerous and powerful tribe. One of the principal sports of the Aguas was to inspire angry passions in the hearts of little children so that they quarreled and fought with one another. They would tempt boys to eat of unripe fruit, and then delight in the pain they suffered. They urged little girls to disobey their parents, and then would laugh when the children were punished. I do not know what causes a child to be naughty in these days, but when the Aguas were on earth, naughty children were usually under their influence. Now when Claus began to make children happy, he kept them out of the power of the Aguas. For children possessing such lovely playthings as he gave them had no wish to obey the evil thoughts the Aguas tried to thrust into their minds. Therefore, one year when the wicked tribe was to elect a new king, they chose an Agua who proposed to destroy Claus and take him away from the children. There are, as you know, fewer naughty children in the world since Claus came to the Laughing Valley and began to make his toys said the new king, as he squatted upon a rock and looked around at the scowling faces of his people. Why, Bessie Blithesome has not stamped her foot once this month, nor has Mary's brother slapped his sister's face or thrown the puppy into the rain-barrel. Little Weakum took his bath last night without screaming or struggling, because his mother had promised he should take his toy cat to bed with him. Such a condition of affairs is awful for any Agua to think of, and the only way we can direct the naughty actions of children is to take this person Claus away from them. Good. 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 Cried the big Aguas in a chorus, and they clapped their hands to applaud the speech of the king. But what shall we do with him? asked one of the creatures. I have a plan, replied the wicked king, and what his plan was you will soon discover. That night Claus went to bed feeling very happy, for he had completed no less than four pretty toys during the day, and they were sure, he thought, to make four little children happy. But while he slept the band of invisible Aguas surrounded his bed, bound him with stout cords, and then flew away with him to the middle of a dark forest in far-off Ethop, where they laid him down and left him. When morning came, Claus found himself thousands of miles from any human being, a prisoner in the wild jungle of an unknown land. From the limb of a tree above his head swayed a huge python, one of those reptiles that are able to crush a man's bones in their coils. 
a few yards away crouched a savage panther its glaring red eyes fixed full on the helpless claws one of those monstrous spotted spiders whose sting is death crept stealthily toward him over the matted leaves which shriveled and turned black at its very touch but claus had been reared in bursey and was not afraid come to me ye nooks of the forest he cried and gave the low peculiar whistle that the nooks know the panther which was about to spring upon its victim turned and slunk away the python swung itself into the tree and disappeared among the leaves the spider stopped short in its advance and hid beneath a rotting log claus had no time to notice them for he was surrounded by a band of harsh featured nooks more crooked and deformed in appearance than any he had ever seen who are you that call on us demanded one in a gruff voice the friend of your brothers in burzee answered claus i have been brought here by my enemies the aguas and left to perish miserably yet now i implore your help to release me and to send me home again have you the sign asked another yes said claus they cut his bonds and with his free arms he made the secret sign of the nooks instantly they assisted him to stand upon his feet and they brought him food and drink to strengthen him our brothers of Burzee make queer friends grumbled an ancient nook whose flowing beard was pure white but he who knows our secret sign and signal is entitled to our help whoever he may be close your eyes stranger and we will conduct you to your home where shall we seek it tis in the laughing valley answered claus shutting his eyes there is but one laughing valley in the known world so we cannot go astray remarked the nook as he spoke the sound of his voice seemed to die away so claus opened his eyes to see what caused the change to his astonishment he found himself seated on the bench by his own door with the laughing valley spread out before him that day he visited the wood nymphs and related his adventure to queen zerline and nasil the ogwas have become your enemies said the lovely queen thoughtfully so we must do all we can to protect you from their power it was cowardly to bind him while he slept remarked nasil with indignation the evil ones are ever cowardly answered zerline but our friend's slumber shall not be disturbed again the queen herself came to the dwelling of claus that evening and placed her seal on every door and window to keep out the aguas and under the seal of queen zerline was placed the seal of the fairies and the seal of the rills and the seal of the nooks that the charm might become more powerful and claus carried his toys to the children again and made many more of the little ones happy you may guess how angry the king agua and his fierce band were when it was known to them that claus had escaped from the forest of ethop they raged madly for a whole week and then held another meeting among the rocks it is useless to carry him where the nooks reign said the king for he has their protection so let us cast him into a cave of our own mountains where he will surely perish this was promptly agreed to and the wicked band set out that night to seize claus but they found his dwelling guarded by the seals of the immortals and were obliged to go away baffled and disappointed never mind said the king 
He does not sleep always. Next day, as Claus traveled to the village across the plain, where he intended to present a toy squirrel to a lame boy, he was suddenly set upon by the Aguas, who seized him and carried him away to the mountains. There they thrust him within a deep cavern and rolled many huge rocks against the entrance to prevent his escape. Deprived thus of light and food, and with little air to breathe, our Claus was indeed in a pitiful plight. But he spoke the mystic words of the fairies, which always command their friendly aid, and they came to his rescue and transported him to the laughing valley in the twinkling of an eye. Thus the og was discovered they might not destroy one who had earned the friendship of the immortals. So the evil band sought other means of keeping Claus from bringing happiness to children, and so making them obedient. Whenever Claus set out to carry his toys to the little ones, an Agua, who had been set to watch his movements, sprung upon him and snatched the toys from his grasp. And the children were no more disappointed than was Claus when he was obliged to return home disconsolate. Still he persevered and made many toys for his little friends, and started with them for the villages. And always the Aguas robbed him as soon as he had left the valley. They threw the stolen playthings into one of their lonely caverns and quite a heap of toys accumulated before Claus became discouraged and gave up all attempts to leave the valley. Then children began coming to him, since they found he did not go to them, but the wicked Aguas flew around them and caused their steps to stray and the paths to become crooked, so never a little one could find a way into the laughing valley. Lonely days now fell upon Claus, for he was denied the pleasure of bringing happiness to the children whom he had learned to love. Yet he bore up bravely, for he thought surely the time would come when the Aguas would abandon their evil designs to injure him. He devoted all his hours to toy-making, and when one plaything had been completed, he stood it on a shelf he had built for that purpose. When the shelf became filled with rows of toys, he made another one and filled that also. So that in time he had many shelves filled with gay and beautiful toys, representing horses, dogs, cats, elephants, lambs, rabbits, and deer as well as pretty dolls of all sizes and balls and marbles of baked clay painted in gay colors. Often as he glanced at this array of childish treasures, the heart of good old Claus became sad, so greatly did he long to carry the toys to his children. And at last, because he could bear it no longer, he ventured to go to the great Ak, to whom he told the story of his persecution by the Aguas, and begged the master woodsman to assist him. 7. THE GREAT BATTLE BETWEEN GOOD AND EVIL Ock listened gravely to the recital of Claus, stroking his beard the while, with the slow, graceful motion that betokened deep thought. He nodded approvingly when Claus told how the nooks and fairies had saved him from death, and frowned when he heard how the Aguas had stolen the children's toys. At last he said, from the beginning I have approved of the work you are doing among the children of men, and it annoys me that your good deeds should be thwarted by the Aguas. We immortals have no connection whatever with the evil creatures who have attacked you. Always we have avoided them, and they, in turn, have hitherto taken care not to cross our pathway. But in this matter I find that they have interfered with one of our friends, and I will ask them to abandon their persecutions, as you are under our protection." Claus thanked the master woodsman most gratefully and returned to his valley, while Ock, who never delayed carrying out his promises, at once traveled to the mountains of the Aguas. There, standing on the bare rocks, he called on the king and his people to appear. 
instantly the place was filled with throngs of the scowling aguas and their king perching himself on a point of rock demanded fiercely who dares call on us it is i the master woodsman of the world responded ak here are no forests for you to claim cried the king angrily we owe no allegiance to you nor to any immortal that is true replied ak calmly yet you have ventured to interfere with the actions of claus who dwells in the laughing valley and is under our protection many of the aguas began muttering at this speech and their king turned threateningly on the master woodsman you are set to rule the forests but the plains and the valleys are ours he shouted keep to your own dark woods we will do as we please with claus you shall not harm our friend in any way replied ak shall we not asked the king impudently you will see our powers are vastly superior to those of mortals and fully as great as those of immortals it is your conceit that misleads you said ak sternly you are a transient race passing from life into nothingness we who live forever pity but despise you on earth you are scorned by all and in heaven you have no place even the mortals after their earth life enter another existence for all time and so are your superiors how then dare you who are neither mortal nor immortal refuse to obey my wish the aguas sprang to their feet with menacing gestures but their king motioned them back never before he cried to ak while his voice trembled with rage has an immortal declared himself the master of the aguas never shall an immortal venture to interfere with our actions again for we will avenge your scornful words by killing your friend claus within three days nor you nor all the immortals can save him from our wrath we defy your powers be gone master woodman of the world in the country of the aguas you have no place it is war declared ak with flashing eyes it is war returned the king savagely in three days your friend will be dead the master turned away and came to his forest of Burzee, where he called a meeting of the immortals and told them of the defiance of the aguas and their purpose to kill claus within three days the little folk listened to him quietly what shall we do asked ak these creatures are of no benefit to the world said the prince of the nooks we must destroy them their lives are devoted only to evil deeds said the prince of the rills we must destroy them they have no conscience and endeavor to make all mortals as bad as themselves said the queen of the fairies we must destroy them they have defied the great ack and threatened the life of our adopted son said the beautiful queen zerline we must destroy them the master woodsman smiled you speak well said he these aguas we know to be a powerful race and they will fight desperately yet the outcome is certain for we who live can never die even though conquered by our enemies while every agua who is struck down is one foe the less to oppose us prepare then for battle and let us resolve to show no mercy to the wicked 
thus arose that terrible war between the immortals and the spirits of evil which is sung of in fairyland to this very day the king agua and his band determined to carry out the threat to destroy claus they now hated him for two reasons he made children happy and was a friend of the master woodsman but since Ock's visit they had reason to fear the opposition of the immortals and they dreaded defeat so the king sent swift messengers to all parts of the world to summon every evil creature to his aid and on the third day after the declaration of war a mighty army was at the command of the king agua there were three hundred asiatic dragons breathing fire that consumed everything it touched these hated mankind and all good spirits and there were the three-eyed giants of tartary a host in themselves who liked nothing better than to fight and next came the black demons from patalonia with great spreading wings like those of a bat which swept terror and misery through the world as they beat upon the air and joined to these were the goozle goblins with long talons as sharp as swords with which they clawed the flesh from their foes finally every mountain agua in the world had come to participate in the great battle with the immortals the king agua looked around upon this vast army and his heart beat high with wicked pride for he believed he would surely triumph over his gentle enemies who had never before been known to fight but the master woodsman had not been idle none of his people was used to warfare yet now that they were called upon to face the hosts of evil they willingly prepared for the fray Ock had commanded them to assemble in the laughing valley where claus ignorant of the terrible battle that was to be waged on his account was quietly making his toys soon the entire valley from hill to hill was filled with the little immortals the master woodsman stood first bearing a gleaming axe that shone like burnished silver next came the rills armed with sharp thorns from bramble bushes then the nooks bearing the spears they used when they were forced to prod their savage beasts into submission the fairies dressed in white gauze with rainbow hued wings bore golden wands and the wood nymphs in their uniforms of oak leaf green carried switches from ash trees as weapons loud laughed the agua king when he beheld the size and the arms of his foes to be sure the mighty axe of the woodsman was to be dreaded but the sweet-faced nymphs and pretty fairies the gentle rills and crooked nooks were such harmless folk that he almost felt shame at having called such a terrible host to oppose them since these fools dare fight he said to the leader of the tartary giants i will overwhelm them with our evil powers to begin the battle he poised a great stone in his left hand and cast it full against the sturdy form of the master woodsman who turned it aside with his axe then rushed the three-eyed giants of tartary upon the nooks and the guzzle goblins upon the rills and the fire-breathing dragons upon the sweet fairies because the nymphs were Ock's own people the band of aguas sought them out thinking to overcome them with ease but it is the law that while evil unopposed may accomplish terrible deeds the powers of good can never be overthrown when opposed to evil well had it been for the king agua had he known the law his ignorance cost him his existence for one flash of the axe borne by the master woodsman of the world cleft the wicked king in twain and rid the earth of the vilest creature it contained 
greatly marvelled the tartary giants when the spears of the little nooks pierced their thick walls of flesh and sent them reeling to the ground with howls of agony woe came upon the sharp taloned goblins when the thorns of the rills reached their savage hearts and let their life-blood sprinkle all the plain and afterward from every drop a thistle grew the dragons paused astonished before the fairy wands from whence rushed a power that caused their fiery breaths to flow back on themselves so that they shriveled away and died as for the aguas they had scant time to realize how they were destroyed for the ash switches of the nymphs bore a charm unknown to any agua and turned their foes into clods of earth at the slightest touch when ak leaned upon his gleaming axe and turned to look over the field of battle he saw the few giants who were able to run disappearing over the distant hills on their return to tartary the goblins had perished every one as had the terrible dragons while all that remained of the wicked aguas was a great number of earthen hillocks dotting the plain and now the immortals melted from the valley like dew at sunrise to resume their duties in the forest while Ak walked slowly and thoughtfully to the house of Claus and entered. "'You have many toys ready for the children,' said the woodsman. "'And now you may carry them across the plain to the dwellings in the villages without fear.' "'Will not the Aguas harm me?' asked Claus eagerly. "'The Aguas,' said Ak, "'have perished.' "'Now I will have gladly done with wicked spirits and with fighting and bloodshed.' It was not from choice that I told of the Aguas and their allies, and of their great battle with the Immortals. They were part of this history, and could not be avoided. End of section 3